Well, a real warm welcome to you. My name's David, as uh, um, a few people have already mentioned. Um, it's really good to see you here. Uh, and it's really good to see those of you who <clears throat> ran the marathon and catching up online. Well done if you did that. Um, just so that you guys don't feel like you're going to miss out, uh, I've decided to, to preach a real marathon of a sermon this morning. So it's going to be long, it's going to be hard, it's going to be grueling. So uh, get ready, you might want to stretch out at different points. Grab a drink if you need to, but we will be done by three o'clock at the latest, don't you worry. You might want to put some more time on your parking. Um, yeah, welcome if you have just joined us. You're, you're, you've landed in the middle of a, a sermon series that we're looking at on um, uh, a, a little sentence uh, somewhere in the middle of the Bible um, called Micah, from this book called Micah. Um, and it's kind of at a point in Israel's history, in this, this people of God's history, where they've, they've made a whole bunch of mess. They've made a lot of mistakes, and they find themselves in a kind of how on earth did we get here kind of moment. How on earth did we get here? I wonder if you've ever had one of those situations. How did I end up here? You find yourself in a situation and you wonder, this was not what it's supposed to be. This is not how it planned. That's exactly where Israel are when this book is written. They've been taken to a foreign land. They've been captured. All that was precious to them has been robbed and plundered. And they're in this place of going, how did I get here? I wonder if that's where you are in your life at the moment. Maybe you've got some questions. Maybe you're like, I, I had some plans. I had some ideas as to how my life was going to go. How did I end up here? Or how my week was going to go? How do we get here? It happens in all sorts of ways. I'm a, I'm a golfer. Now and again, I like to get out on Cleve Hill and just play a little bit. Because I don't play regularly, now and again, I just get to the point. Like, I'm sure I knew how to do this. How... How did it go this wrong? How come, how come I can't hit one club straight? Maybe, you're, maybe you've got a family or a whole bunch of people at home and, and you, you tidy your house one day and within four hours you're like, how on earth did we get here? How is it this messy already? Well, this is the question that, that we're looking at here. How did we get here? And we're looking at a verse called Micah 6.8. And this is kind of what God says in his message in, in amongst Micah. He says... He says, well, this is one of the reasons you got here, and, and this is how to get out. This is, this is how to live again. This is the right way of living. He says, he has shown you, that's God has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. A whole bunch of stuff that Israel had stopped doing. They'd stopped doing. They'd got wrapped up in themselves, wrapped up in their traditions, wrapped up in their rhythms, and had forgotten God and how God likes to be. So this sermon series is, is all about God's heart, about justice, about humility, and today we're looking specifically at loving mercy. This is the second time we've looked at loving mercy as part of this series. Andrew's already looked very much at who, knowing God in the light of mercy. You should definitely catch up on that if you haven't already watched that. But today we're going to be talking about love mercy from our perspective. What does it mean for us to love mercy? And hopefully by the end of this talk, in three and a half hours time, you will know what it means to love mercy and why that's important. Does that sound good? Some of you are still with me. I don't mean the three and a half hours. It's not. I'm hoping to be done by 5, 2, 12-ish, something like that. We'll see how it goes. If I get excited, it'll be longer. But um, let's see. So what is mercy, just in case we're not sure? Dictionary definition. Compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. So compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone 
whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. I'll expand on that in a little bit, but just to clarify, in case you're not a words person and a visual person like me, we're going to watch a little clip about what mercy looks like as we get to head to a Colosseum and see um, whether the one who loses the battle is shown mercy or not. Thanks. He reminds me so much of myself. <coughs> I don't know why people laughed at that point. Maximus, Maximus the Merciful. So just a, a moment where, where it was in his power um, to condemn someone, and he chose, he chose not to. I'm not going to link that imagery too close to me as a parent, but I've got three kids under the age of four and a half. And, and I get constant reminders of mercy, these moments when kids mess up or they do something you specifically told them not to do, and yet they do it and they end up in trouble and in a mess and in pain. And everything within me wants to say, ha, I told you, I told you. But what I do is I do the merciful thing and I pick Ben up and I go, do you want duddles? Which is his way of saying cuddles. We have a cuddle. There's something about showing mercy, but mercy. Um, Hopefully we've got a little bit of an idea what mercy looks like. What is it to love mercy? Well, to help us with that, we're going to do some grammar. I wouldn't do that reaction because I, I just didn't understand grammar. I'm not sure I still do, so this could be a bit of a fudge. Um, but we're going to have, I just want to make two points, and they're both around grammar, and specifically punctuations and pronouns. They both begin with a P, so they should be memorable. Say to the person next to you, punctuations and pronouns. Some of you didn't want to do it, but you did it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. The first thing I want to say is mercy is a comma. Because of God's mercy, there can be a comma rather than a full stop. And it's beautiful. For those of us who believe in Jesus Christ, we've said, do you know what, God? We can't do this life on our own. We can't. We, we, we make a mess or we try our best and it doesn't work or we get into broken or because of pain that happens to us, we cause pain to others and we end up in this stuck place and it feels so much like a full stop. We feel whether it's with some mental battles that we've got, got going on, whether it's stuff we've done and, and people say, I've, I've messed up so much. I've messed up. I'm stuck. And it feels like a full stop. 
And shame and condemnation comes in and says, this is who you are. You will always have these addictive behaviors. You will always have this relationship because you've ruined it. This is always how Christmas is going to feel like because you blew it two Christmases ago or whatever it might be. Shame and condemnation want to put a full stop. And my message this morning is mercy. The reason we love mercy is this because it's a comma. God takes a full stop. He takes our mess and he makes it a comma. It says, this isn't going to be how you end up being defined. Your mess doesn't have to be how you are defined. The stuff that you got wrong in the workplace when you took that deal because it was going to work better for the business, but it's not worked well for your soul. That mess, that doesn't have to be the end. That moment when you lost your rag with your kid and you can't believe how angry you got. That doesn't have to be the full stop in their life and it doesn't have to be the full stop in your life because there's a God who said, I choose mercy. I'm going to put a comma there. Maybe you're looking, maybe you're of an older generation and, 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 and as, as far as parenting goes, you've, you feel like you've got no more influence. Your kids are grown up and you're just looking at all the mistakes you made played out and it feels like there's a big full stop in your life and it's painful as you watch Mercy says, God in his mercy says, that can be a comma, there is hope. Whereas shame and condemnation, which I want to go after a little bit this morning, they just want to full stop, they want to define you and stick you where you are. I'm going to look at Ephesians 2, um, just, to, just to help us, as the, as the Bible just expands. There's so much, Romans is full of some of this stuff, which, but just, Ephesians I just found helpful. In this particular passage, we're going to read it in the message version, which is just a version of the, of the Bible that, that, that can be helpful. It says, it wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it, all of us doing what we felt like doing. When we felt like doing it, all of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with a whole lot of us. Instead, I love that word, instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. I wonder if you can imagine that moment that you feel most shame about, most condemnation about, and someone embracing you in that moment. A father in heaven who loves you, embracing you. That's possible, we believe, as Christians, because Jesus died for us. He took all of that mess on his shoulders so we don't have to walk around with it as this shame, guilt, condemnation, concoction that just robs us of life. That's why I love mercy. So mercy is a comma. Say that to the person next to you. You can say it more enthusiastically than that because it means we're halfway through the sermon. Mercy is a comma. Woo! Okay. My next point is divided into 15 points. No, I'm joking. I'm just joking. Mercy is a comma. Okay, we're going to get on to pronouns. Don't ask me to explain what they are. I just, I just found the right word. I want to say that mercy says we. Mercy says we. If we could have the next slide up, that'd be, that'd be helpful. So we're going to look at pronouns. So you being a pronoun second person, we pronoun first person, first person, second person. You, the, the next slide will hopefully help. So this is, this is what happens. 
with the you of the second person pronoun speaking to you. You messed up. You have a problem. You failed. You're hopeless. And often what we do then is, is we take that on as a, I messed up. I have a problem. I failed. I'm hopeless. But there's this shame accuses us. Condemnation accuses us. You messed up. You have a problem. You failed. You're hopeless. If we change the grammar around, and this is what I believe Jesus does. This is what Jesus does. When we're in our mess, when we're at our low point, when we've tried our best and we've failed to do what he told us to do, failed to live the way he's shown us to live, he comes along and rather than condemning us and going, I told you so, I told you so, rather than saying that from heaven, he came down to earth, died on a cross and he chose to say, we messed up, we have a problem. I don't know what the next ones are. We didn't succeed. We have hope. He chooses to align himself so much with us and our mess in mercy. He didn't have to. He's God in heaven. But in his love, in his huge compassion, he chooses to transform this with a little bit of cheeky grammar. He chooses to go from all the you's, the accusation stuff, the you stuff. And he chooses to rescue us from the isolation of that second person pronoun. We've already mentioned Books for Life, which is a really good event that's coming up. If you, if you didn't manage to get to it last year, I can really recommend it. So many great speakers, and, and there's so many rich books that will help us as we seek to understand this book, the Bible. One of those that I've had a little look at recently and has helped me in, in, in some of my preparation is called The Soul of Shame by Carl Thompson. We're just gonna look at a quote our vulnerability reminds us that deep relationships is the norm, not something we periodically require when we are in trouble or lonely. And this neurobiology of we reflects God's intention for our created purpose from the beginning. This is not the message that we hear in most of our interactions while gathered around the office water cooler or kettle if we anglicize that a bit. We are pressured to do things well on our own and to the degree that we cannot, shame is waiting for us. I'm pretty sure loads of us have that experience. We get into isolated thinking by the accusations of you, you, you. You haven't done well. You haven't done this. You haven't done that. And shame just feeds off that and says, you should have been better. You should have done that. Condemnation comes in and it all gets heavy. And I believe Jesus wants to come in and say, let's make this a we. I see your mess and I want that to be our mess. I want that to be our mess. So, mercy is a comma and mercy says we. Those are the two main points. But what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us? Well, there's probably two groups of people here today. Maybe you're here today and you've, you've never experienced this mercy. You've never experienced this rescue from all the shame and the mess that you've caught yourself up into, that you have found yourself. The pain you've lived with and the pain you've caused is just heavy and you've never felt release from it. The stress you experience or the mental anguish that wants to be a full stop in your life. You've got this full stop and you think you're never moving on. There will be no sentence after that sentence. I believe that there's great news for you this morning that you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can invite him in 
Say, Jesus, I've tried to do life, and it's ended in shame, confusion, and pride. Even if it's low-level stuff, it just, I'm stuck. And today, you can say that. You can invite God into your heart and go, come and be this. Come and make my life a comma. Come and bring the hope that says there's possibility. And come and first-person me. Come and be that first-person pronoun with me. Where we get to say we, and we get to work on the, the, the challenge of life together. My life is full of stories of how God has come in to my mess and made it a we mess. Oh, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> made, it, made it a together mess. And God has rescued me and given me a life that I could never have found on my own. And maybe that's your response this morning. Maybe you want to say yes for the first time to Jesus. I imagine there's quite a few of us here and we've said that yes and we've known that mercy and we've, we've felt that freedom. But as you sang free to live, free to give, free to be this morning, you didn't necessarily feel all those things. And shame and condemnation are having a field day with you because you've forgotten to love mercy. You've forgotten to love mercy. And maybe we need to get back to that. Maybe we need to say, God, I've started to try and do stuff on my own again. I've started to try and figure this out on my own again. I've started to make this just about me and, and getting away from the problem and the mess and the stuff. And maybe you need to know the we again. Maybe you need to know that God says, come. And he invites us. And we're just going to look at two verses that will be really helpful, I think, for you as you consider that. Um, thanks, if you could just have that. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then in Colossians 3.3, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That is something of the we that I'm trying to talk about. That Jesus has wrapped us so much up through the cross. He's wrapped us so much up in himself that you're not on your own. It's not a, it's not a, a you thing. It's a we thing. It's a plural. God has come in and said, it's us. It's us. You died. Your life is now hidden with Christ. That's mercy. That is mercy, and it's incredible. I'm just going to finish with this passage from 1 John chapter 4. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for sins. Dear friends, since God loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Incredible stuff about loving. Karis is going to pick this up in three weeks' time as she takes the next section of love mercy around what that means to, to how we interact with others. And there's hints of that in that passage. But as I land, without God, mess is a full stop. And without God, mess is second person stuff. But we get to invite God to remind us how to love mercy today. Does that sound good?
It's not even five to 12. I could say some more things. <laughs> or we could have some more time thinking about this with God. Why don't we stand?